Welcome to the Barack Obama Approved World's Greatest Podcast, Hyphen Nation. I'm your host, Kellen Conley. That's right, we back, baby. How's everybody doing out there today? It is late where I'm at. Um, It's dark outside, but I had to get this done. It's been a minute since I talked to y'all. Last time y'all had an episode, it was about the NBA boycott that lasted a whole three days. So I don't know if it was quite emergency pod worthy, but it was um, history making at the time. Uh, shout out to Marcus Robinson, my, my semi-regular co-host, um, for joining me for that pod. But now, we're going to get back to business. So first things first, Morgantown Weather Report. All right, so right now it's 55 degrees outside. Um, fall is among us, is among us, is on us, ladies and gentlemen. Fall is right around the corner, um, creeping up on us. It was a quite a beautiful day here in Morgantown, though. Um, so it was like 70 some degrees, um, nice breeze, but it was a nice fall day, um, a nice warm fall day. And, and let me, let me just say, I'm a, I'm a spring summer guy, man. Um, I went to Miami a few years ago, a few years ago, went to Miami eight whole ass years ago and it changed my entire life. It's changed my life, man. And I just fell in love with the heat and I don't get heat here in West Virginia. So that's a problem that's going to have to have something done about it at some point. Just saying. Um, so I'm not a big fan of the fall when it starts getting cold and the leaves start falling. And I do like me some pumpkin spice, though. Don't get it twisted. I am very basic when it comes to that. But, uh, man, you know, the, the kid just likes to... Um, be warm and wear his shorts and wear his uh his jerseys and you know and put put the guns out <laughs> um i'm not all about all these layers and stuff like that but fall is definitely arriving here in morgantown um but i'm i'm doing pretty good man i i cannot complain uh had a good weekend uh you know uh, had a good labor day weekend two weekends ago Morgantown is afloat with COVID. <laughs> We're the worst, worst uh, county in West Virginia because WVU is here. And thusly, all the students who don't follow the guidelines, as Jim Justice su- suggested, um, they are just passing COVID to each other and having parties and having let's get COVID parties and uh, to and like rubbing COVID covered things on each other. And not to say that there's not townies that aren't doing that, but, you know, <laughs> I I just wanted I just wanted to um to to get that out there, you know. Uh, so uh, yeah, I think things are interesting right now. Um, Angel is back in school; she's teaching in school. The kids are still remote because Montegalia County is a remote is a red county, so distance or not remote uh, remote learning is what they're doing here in Mon County. And um, Aaliyah, thankfully, thankfully, we had some friends who were keeping their kids out of school and we were worried about what to do with Aaliyah because we didn't want to send Aaliyah back into school 
So what we ended up doing was graciously, this family, um, the mom is at home with the kids, you know, shout out to her husband, uh, Dale, who's, uh, who let, who's able to let her do that and be home with the kids. This episode is brought to you by, um, Cherry Coke Zero, by the way. There you go. Um, you know, uh, they graciously accepted Aaliyah and Aaliyah is doing what is called distance learning. Um, so she is actually in a virtual classroom in first grade and this is her first full week. So yeah, man, uh, I, I can't be too upset about that. Uh, on the sports front, uh, the West Virginia Mountaineers won their first game. Good for them. <laughs> the the Las Vegas Raiders won their first game in Las Vegas Raiders history. Shout out to the Raiders. The Raiders. Shout out to uh, Marcus's team and, and my wife's team, the Washington football team, for notching a W yesterday. Um, And I think that's about it. I don't think I care about anything else, which I guess can um lead us directly into our first segment. But first... Hyphen Nation is brought to you by Hyphen Podcast Group, Morgantown, West Virginia-based podcast collective, bringing great podcasts to the people, hyphenpodcastgroup.com, and also by Mark Robb, written by my semi-regular co-host, Marcus Show and Mad Love Robinson. He writes pontiferous, pontiferous, he writes pontifications of paragraphs, or paragraphs full of pontifications about um, powerful passages of visual things that he's come across pop culture music movies you name it if you want to read any of his writings please go to the m-a-r-c dot the m-a-r-c r-o-b dot wordpress dot com again that's the mark rob dot wordpress dot com to check out all of his wonderful writing so yeah let's go ahead and jump into the first segment segment um uh the first topic I don't think I don't and that's not true. That's not true. This this statement is already not true. I haven't been watching as much as much sports as I was before all this happened. And you know what, to be completely honest with you, I haven't been watching sports for a minute like that. Cause we had almost a whole NBA season. A whole NBA season and not a one not a one I I didn't watch very much basketball like I would come in and check out a score and if it was late in the game and the game was close I'd leave it on but I the guy who has basketball devotee in his Twitter profile I just wasn't watching a lot of basketball and then COVID hit yeah. And when COVID hit, obviously everything shut down. When Enos Cantor, Rudy Gobert, sorry, Enos, when Rudy Gobert gave uh, the Jazz <laughs> COVID <laughs> and shut down the entire league and jeopardized the 2019 2020 NBA season, uh, that nobody knew if sports was coming back. Like the, nobody knew what was going on, man. It was it was a free for all. I mean, 
they moved up the last dance so that we could watch it a month early because there's nothing on TV. They're replaying old games because there was no live sports. And nothing really changed for me. Like, I watched a little bit of the old sports, but I just moved away from watching consistently. Now, NBA playoffs, here for it. Um, Super Bowl, NFL playoffs, here for it. Um, I did, I did still watch a lot of NFL last season and I had red zone on for a little bit yesterday. Um, but that wasn't, I I don't know, like watching football for me, like I, my team's never on cause I'm on the East coast. So the Las Vegas Raiders, of course, are a Pacific team. Normally they had a one o'clock game against Carolina but I'm not, I'm in West Virginia, so I'm not in Carolina. Therefore, there is no chance of me, um, you know, doing the thing where I get to watch my team live at one o'clock. Like sometimes I'll get lucky and there'll be the four o'clock game and I'll watch that. Um, but I just, I just don't watch, like if I have football on, it's just kind of, I like to watch red zone cause I'm watching for the touchdowns and the action but even then, if I'm going to turn on a football game, it's going to be um, a one o'clock game because normally I don't like watching the four o'clock games and I don't like watching Sunday night football. Not big on Monday night football anymore. Um, I, I like to watch the one o'clock game, just watched from one to four thirty, whatever, how long it takes. And normally we get the Steelers game or the Browns game or the Ravens game. And sometimes I'll get a Redskins game. And that's kind of my choices if I'm going that route. Live from an undisclosed location in a basement in New York City, it's me, Crank, ruler, well, mayor of Dimension X and the producer of the hottest new pod in that dimension or this one, the Shredhead Pod, starring the Blasian Batty, aka Google Chrome Dome, aka Ado Nobu Hagen, aka my best friend, Oroku Saki, aka the shredder and we put aside our differences with the ninja turtles to be your weekly source of hot takes sports and entertainment news stay all the way and hear who saki is named as his cretin of the week and find something valuable in the shred commendations so we'll see you on apple stitcher spotify or wherever your pods are casts the shredhead pod is a member of the hyphen podcast group College football, I've lost all interest in college sports, man. I just feel like it's rigged <laughs> top to bottom. I feel uh, I feel like those athletes should be paid. I feel like those kids are exploited for millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions, and millions of dollars on a yearly basis, and it's ridiculous, and I don't agree with it. And I just wish – I don't – like, I don't know. I don't want to abolish uh, – college sports but it's just like I, I just don't see the point of it it's like a breeding ground for the next level uh when they get hopefully get drafted to the nba or nba to uh whatever professional sport they're playing and wvu me and wvu have a real love-hate relationship right now because 
I've just come to the conclusion that especially when it comes to football, considering West the WU West Virginia Mountaineers are the closest thing to a professional sports team that this state has. I just find it incredibly annoying that the Mountaineers and the um I can't even think of what <laughs> the people in charge of the athletic program. <laughs> I'm not googling anything right now. I'm like I'm not going to google anything. Uh, they that they just don't seem to care. Athletic directors. There you go. The coaches, the the people who run the football team and the program. They just don't seem to care about winning. Now, granted, in that if it's if winning goes hand in hand with everything being rigged, that means that Davey would have to cheat at some point or pay players under the table or however it works now when um, all these programs consistently are at the top of uh, the signing classes and always in the playoff hunt and the national championship game hunt like your Alabamas and your Clemsons who constantly are just bringing this flood of new talent. I'm not accusing Alabama and Clemson and Notre Dame and one of my former favorite teams, Miami, Florida State, LSU, uh, what's the team, Oregon. I'm not accusing them of cheating by any means to uh, keep keep uh, players that will keep them competitive on the field, but looking a little iffy. <laughs> looking a little iffy. And so I just feel like WVU knows that they have the perfect setup because everybody in this state will go nuts for these Mountaineers. It doesn't matter if they lose all season. doesn't matter if they go undefeated all season. doesn't matter if they go to the national championship game. doesn't matter if they go play in the Coconut Tree Bowl. Yeah, the Coconut Tree Bowl. It's a real thing. There's like 120 bowls, I think, now. Something ridiculous like that. As long as WVU qualifies for bowl eligibility, that's all the athletic department cares about. That's all they want. Get WVU in a bowl game, and then our fans will pay to go, normally when there's fans allowed in the stadium, will pay to go be at these games with um, our Mountaineers that cheer them on to a loss most of the time. And it's also very frustrating how bad we are in a Big 12 we constantly lose against Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, other teams that are in the Big 12. <laughs> See, this is how out of it I am, man. I turned on Red Zone yesterday, and I didn't know who people were. Um, players had changed teams. I had no idea Phillip Rivers was a Colt, man. No clue. I knew Brady had signed with the, um, with the Buccaneers. I knew Cam had signed with the Patriots. But there's these rookies that's out there flying around the field. Like, oh, look at the rookie out of blah, blah, blah. Never even heard of it. I didn't waste my time trying to watch that draft. Shout out to any of y'all who were that desperate for live content that y'all watched the NFL Zoom draft. That's some, mm, not for me, sir. <laughs> not for me. That was not the mood. Um, 
I definitely did not go that route. Was not a fan. <laughs> but uh, I'm I'm just so out of it, man. And and I the Bulls are my basketball team, and the Bulls have been trash ever since they blew everything up there, uh, starting with the Jimmy Butler trade. Who, ironically enough, shout out to my man Jimmy Butler for getting the Miami into the Eastern Conference Finals in his first season there. Um, getting ready to meet the Boston Celtics. Um, when did that series start? Did that series start tonight? Probably not, because they have to wait for the West to finish. And I believe Game 7 of the Nuggets and the Clippers will be played. Um, by the time you hear this, it'll be be played tonight. So, shout out to them, man. Shout out to Jimmy Butler. So, I don't care about Zach Levine. I'm glad the Bulls got a new coach. But again... The Bulls suck, so the Bulls aren't on TV. So I have no reason the Bulls aren't making the playoffs. I don't have a reason to watch anything. And my favorite player in the league, LeBron James, plays for the Lakers. And his ass didn't play until 10, well, was not playing until like 10.30 at night. And your boy, despite uh, not sleeping most nights, um, just does not have the patience to sit there and watch a uh, first quarter, second quarter of a Lakers game, especially when the Lakers weren't. Ex- I like watching the Lakers now. Uh, Lakers playoff Lakers are doing very well right now, but you know, I'm just I just wasn't into watching a LeBron game at eleven o'clock at night, man. Uh, even last season, just wasn't into it. So, so I don't really know what's up with me in sports. I still love sports. Um. I prefer to watch my man Dom 2K, shout out to him, uh, play his uh, NBA sim that he's been doing. He didn't, let me let me uh, throw this out as a recommendation. Uh, Dom 2K, and let me jot that down so I don't forget because I really want to make sure I get him in the show notes. Uh, he is a YouTuber turned streamer here in recent years. And Dom, starting from the 1996 season uh, in uh, his PC version of, NBA 2K20 and very thorough thorough draft classes and rosters recreated the NBA from 1996-97 all the way up to he just finished 18 season I thought he was going to go all the way through this season but he only has like two seasons left so I don't know if he'll be returning to it or not I really hope so because it's a lot of fun and watching his stream is awesome so you know I'd rather watch Dom play his way because when Dom does it he's able to simulate the first three quarters he'll take it down about five minutes left and if the game gets within four points like in the last three minutes then he'll dive in cue to Trey songs and then we'll he'll watch it simulate and stuff and he'll kind of call the game and stuff and that's way more fun for me I don't know I'm just old man I'm old and weird I suppose so it is what it is ladies and gentlemen but uh, with, with that said, I do want to take the time to say next topic. So it's September 15th, 14th, I'm sorry, September 14th. It's about to be September 15th. And two days ago, Mark, the 24th anniversary of the death of Tupac Shakur. And it's funny 
because um, I redid my show notes recently. To, I moved them to an Excel sheet. So I got like three columns. I have topics, recommendations, uh, then I have full show ideas. And then for some reason, I named the tab in the eye of a hurricane. Shout out to Hamilton. Boom, Hamilton reference. And I had written down in the show notes as this anniversary had just passed, Pac. And unlike when I couldn't remember uh, a few episodes ago what a, ref- a topic was supposed to be, I remembered immediately what this one was. And it's as I've grown older, I have gotten to be more, I've, grown, I've gained even more respect for Tupac and more of an appreciation for what he's been able to do on um, what he was able to do while he was alive. And before I get into that, I want to send a shout out to my guest from a couple episodes ago, Lance Robertson. I think I got your name right that time. Uh, He had me on his culture surfing podcast. You can find it on Spotify. And we broke down our top five MCs, including our favorite albums and our favorite songs from the albums. And If you want to hear me go real in-depth on my top 20 MCs, go all the way back to episode 38, I believe, of Hyphen Nation, and you'll find my top 30 MCs of all time, the greatest MCs of all time. I plan on revisiting that episode to see what's changed. And honestly, my top five has changed, which I just talked about um, with Lance on his pod. When I was younger, I just always found Pac to be simplistic. When I came into rap as a fan of rap and, and really getting exposed to hip-hop as a whole and not just um, what I heard on local radio, which is like circa two, 1996-97, when I really started getting into the sounds and everything, I I just thought Pac was a very angry person. To be honest, he kind of scared me, man. I mean, I was just a sheltered 13-year-old, 12, 13-year-old from Winchester, Virginia, who was, who was only in his, uh, let's see, fourth or fifth year living in Cape and Bridge, West Virginia. Shout out to the bridge. And, you know, man, uh, Pac may have scared me a little bit. I'm just saying, like, Pac never held his tongue or anything, you know? And I always respected that. Like, who who couldn't respect that? That's that's Pac. That's what Pac does, you know? But with that said, it was just interesting that when he died... I realized that hip hop had lost something. Even as a kid, I knew nothing about rap at this point. I didn't even like Jay Z at this point. Well, Jay Z was barely out by this point because Reasonable Doubt came out June twenty fifth, ninety six. Don't quote me. Pac died on September thirteenth. He was shot September seventh, ninety six. So Jay Z was barely a thought in the door. Didn't mean Pac didn't have verses on him. <laughs> Fuck Jay Z. 
sorry, Jay. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry, Jay. Please don't get mad at me. <laughs> Please don't get mad at me, Hove. <sighs> but something that I have forgotten over the years that um I've left out of my hip hop origin story. Because my I've always whenever whenever anybody asks, you know, I rap. And then when somebody really gets to nitty gritty and like, what made you want to rap? I'm like, all right, well, my friend Matt, uh, Matthew Spencer, who's going to be on the show soon, uh, all the way from New Zealand, he was like, yo, you really should try rapping. And I was already writing songs. I was writing R&B songs for like two years at that point. I had no interest in rapping. I don't want to rap. I want to sing. I want to sing to ladies. I want to let them know how I feel, you know? <laughs> I wish I was lying. I wish I was lying, but uh, this is... These are true facts coming out of my mouth right now, okay? But as I started to get into rap and hip hop and things like that and got to know Biggie and Pac and other and Puffy and other artists of that area area of that era, very young. Um, you know, I was like, you know, let me try my hand at rap and everything. But I always leave out of this story because I feel like I say all right I decided I want to rap because Matt at um kind of pushed me to do it and then my first rap was Mace Me to Real Thug which is like a Mace this um hot bars hot bars off the top I'm telling you off the top rope the funny thing is I always forget this moment um and, and the moment just kind of meant the world to me man uh, I'm not going to mess with it, but I I do need to know the stats. I, I'm, we're going to do it. We're going to break. I don't have no rules in this podcast. We're going to go ahead and do it. Podcast and one-on-one. So we're going to go ahead and put in Tupac. I ain't mad at you. All right. For those of you who are unfamiliar, I ain't mad at you was... The fifth and final single from Tupac's 1996 album, All Eyes on Me, his double disc album. Okay. And two days after he had passed, this song was released. And then on top of that, there was a music video for this song. And I always, I'm trying to see if it tells me when the music video was released. The music video always just kind of blows my mind, you know. It's I Ain't Mad At You. Arguably my favorite Tupac song. And probably the first Tupac song that really spoke to me. But I'm just going to read you the Wikipedia synopsis real quick. Shout, shout out to Wikipedia, as always. The music video begins with Tupac and a friend of his, Bokeem Woodbine, leaving a hotel party at night. While waiting for someone to arrive, a hooded man comes up, pulls out a handgun, and starts shooting in their, in their direction. As Tupac pushes them out of the way, he gets hit by at least one bullet. 
in the ambulance, his body gives it and he passes away. Upon entering heaven, Tupac is told they have been waiting for him to come for a long time, yet he still has to earn his way in. As a spirit, he then returns to earth to watch over and guide his friend as he struggles through the next few days. While this is going on, Tupac is shown rapping to his friend who can't see or hear him, trying to offer guidance. Finally, the video concludes with Tupac's friend gaining the courage to give condolences personally to Tupac's widow and daughter. Lookalikes of many deceased entertainers revealed to be playing playing the beat in the party, featuring Red Fox, Jimi Hendrix, Bob Marley, Nat King Cole, Miles Davis, Marvin Gaye, Billie Holiday, Florence Ballard, Sammy Davis Jr., Louis Armstrong. Danny Boy, who sings the hook, is also president in heaven as an angel. I watched this video, okay? And no, I'm not getting choked up. This isn't coronation. I watched this video. And the fact that, and I, I didn't know it like I know now, but death was always prevalent in Tupac's music and in his interviews. Tupac always felt like he had a short amount of time left, you know? And when I watched his video, I was like, oh my God. Like, he's he literally just shot a video about him dying and then he dies granted we don't know who killed Tupac no this ain't that kind of podcast I leaned in to say something wild I'm not gonna I'm not gonna light that match not gonna light that candle but I will say That song spoke to me in a way that I never anticipated. And it was I Ain't Mad At You" that gave me my final push to become a rapper, to try to rap. And I always forget that. And I, I feel bad, you know. <laughs> like, how, how dare you? How dare you forget Tupac? You're a jerk, Kellen Conley. Yeah, yeah sometimes. <laughs> sometimes I am a jerk. You're absolutely right. But with all that said, I still, even three years ago when I went over to top 20 MCs, Pac was number, excuse me, Pac was number five for me. Pac has now moved up to number four out of five. And here's the thing, man. Here's the thing. I love Pac. But I, I really just thought his... Maybe I wasn't ready to properly hear his music. Do you listen to music or just skim through it? I feel like I skimmed through Pac's music for so long. But I still recognize, recognize, recognize his impact on music and on hip-hop and on rap and what he did in his... God, Tupacalypse Now came out in 91, five-year recording career that he was actually alive. So that's why he still leapfrogged all these other people who I personally felt was better lyricists because I knew the power of his voice. But I've mentioned this time and time again on the show, Mortal Man from To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar, when... Kendrick's reading that poem at the end of the album and you realize all these little snippets that you've been hearing of him throughout the album is this poem that he's been reading and then when 
he says, what do you think of that? And then Tupac's voice comes on and him and Tupac are having a conversation. Every time I get chills, every time. It's such a beautiful moment when it happens. And then the way that Kendrick pulls it back and then it becomes Pac didn't answer him anymore and then Pac suddenly gone and then that's how To Pimp a Butterfly ends. And then I've been going back and rereading some of the interviews that he did, Pac did when he was alive, uh, listening to some of the interviews he did. Because you always see, um, I've always seen the MTV news ones, you know, him and uh, Tabitha Soren, I think that's who it was, um, who was interviewing him when he has all the leather on and all that stuff. And, you know, and that was still Pac ready to, you know, middle fingers up, west side, ride or die, all that, all that stuff. That was still Pac, 100%. Don't get it twisted. But some of the interviews, man, and just from things his friends have said about him, people that knew him have said about him, things his mother used to say about him before she passed, there was just so many layers to Tupac. He was he was a big ass onion, man. <laughs> and I mean that with all due respect. He was revolutionary. He was angry. He was a black man in America. He wanted change. He was driven by lust. He was driven by love. He was driven by his genius. He was rash. He was bold. He opened his mouth when no one else would. He was irrational at times. He was very rational at other times. He did things for people that he never got credit for. He also went to jail for supposedly raping um, raping someone. And I'm not downplaying that because I, I feel like in, in my role in these things, in my role as a media personality, whenever there's a transgression against a man or a woman, that I feel like has merit or there was legal action. See Kobe, see Tyson, see Tupac. I feel like you can't praise somebody without, hey, but they did do this. And I'm not talking on like no Weinstein level, like Weinstein ain't getting no praise on this side, but I'm over here praising these people. I just want to make sure I'm also addressing their transgressions. I think that's very important when we're discussing celebrities and, musicians and people we look up to and people's impacts um that they've had on our lives and things like that and he's really someone that you can truly learn something different about every day if you really just sat down and tried like all right every day i'm gonna learn something new about tupac and i bet you you would easily get through 365 days of learning something new about tupac um I've, I I kind of wish, I kind of touched on this a little bit with Marcus when we talked about um, our, more when we were talking about race on our boycott episode, the NBA boycott episode, where I was talking about how there's no true leader for black people anymore. Like Martin got killed, Malcolm got killed, uh, Jesse and Sharpton failed. 
I kind of wish that Pac was alive right now, man. Because people can post black boxes on IG, guilty, guilty as charged. People can march, people can protest. But I, I really wish that we had a Tupac on our side. Can you imagine everybody not just rallying about Black Lives Matter, defund the police? Can you imagine people rallying behind someone like Pac? in 2020 to speak out about what's being done to black people in America to see Pac coming to Kaepernick's side when everything was happening a few years ago when he started kneeling to see Pac and Ferguson it's it's some wild ideas man to see Pac marching in Washington down Black Lives Matter Boulevard. <laughs> oh, man. The older I get, the more I miss everything that Pac represented as all the positive things. And then when it comes to the music, I realize how message-laden it really is while still being straight to the point. And it's funny because I've taken my share of criticism over the years of being too simplistic myself, you know. And suddenly, I have this rapper who, uh, oh, he's he gets crap for being simplistic too. What do you know? Again, Tupac gave me the push I needed to start writing raps. And ultimately, while I'll never be on Tupac's level of greatness or lyricism or anything like that, we still share similarities when it comes to how we rap on the mic. So I just see Pac in a whole new light now. I really wish Tupac was alive right now. It's like, why? So you can get killed? (sighs) Maybe, but you know what? Pac was uh Pac was ready to die, man. He was ready to die for the cause and he went out on some crap with Suge, man, with some ridiculous stuff with Suge. Wish he never met Suge. Glad Suge got him out of prison and everything, but ultimately I wish Pac had stayed in prison. Because Pac might still be alive then. I don't know. Too many if ands are babies. <laughs> if ands are babies. Podcast episode? Title? Nah. Nah, I ain't that crazy, fam. If ands are babies, that's funny. Next topic. So we're going to stay on death a little bit. <laughs> We're going to keep the death theme going here. And uh, talk about a comic book. Yeah, we're switching gears a little bit here. We'll talk a little bit about a comic book that I read. And you may have heard of it. (laughs) It features uh, one of America's 
most well-known superheroes, the Man of Still, the last son of Krypton, the Man of Tomorrow, Superman. And I didn't just read a Superman story. I didn't read a uh, Superman's a Superman issue. I didn't read a Bendis issue. I sat down for the first time. Only took me 28 years, 27 if you count when the trade came out. I finally sat down despite knowing the outcome, despite knowing the events and the path and everything else that went on, on the actual thing, the story. I sat myself down, went on to one of my library apps, and I read The Death of Superman. You you never you never read The Death of Superman, Kellen? We're going to get into more story time, ladies and gentlemen. So here's what happened. What happened was Um I was pretty new to collecting comics in 1992 when they announced it. 92, I went I was actually more about getting basketball cards. I was heavy on the skyboxes, the flares, uh the NBA hoops. That's what I cared about. I cared about basketball cards. And a little bit with a little bit of comic book mixed in there. So a little Spider-Man issue here, a little Spider-Man issue here, you know. But I wasn't heavy on the comics yet. And so every now and then I pick up a comic price guide. Um, I think like Wizard. I don't know if I think Wizard had started, but I didn't pick up that. I had one of the uh, black and white. I feel like it's black and white comic book price guides and stuff. And I was looking through it, and my dad came home one evening. Uh, he he worked twenty minutes away in Winchester, Virginia, and he came home. And I hit my mic. He came home. And uh, he was like, hey, did you hear they're going to kill Superman? (laughs) No, that's not how my father talks, but it just felt fitting. He's like, they're going to kill Superman. Like, what? They can't kill Superman. He's invulnerable. Nothing can kill Superman. He He can take a bullet to the chest. He's faster than a speeding bullet, you know. Kill Superman. Like, come on. Don't be ridiculous, father. But sure enough, months passed, and DC, true to their word, and if you want to read about any of the events that led up to uh, led up to Superman uh, biting the big one, I strongly recommend you head over to my friend Michael Bailey's website, FortressOfBailey2.com, and click on the Death and Return of Superman link. He has all this coverage um, that he has of the event, including behind the scenes, beginning stuff. I'm just making a note here um, to make sure I include him in the show notes and actually put that in the wrong place. I'm going to heck. I'm going to heck. I'm going to hell. See if it'll let me paste it here. Cool. All right, yeah. Go to fortressofbailytude.com, Death and Return of Superman, all the information you could need on this event is all there. But yeah, sure, sure enough, they they killed Superman. 
So what had happened was then I went to see, I spent a lot of time in summer 93 in Winchester with my, with my mom, Barbara. And at the time she worked at, was it Sheets? Was that Sheets? I think it, I think it was early Sheets in Winchester, Virginia. Um, and one of the books that they got in on the magazine stand just so happened to be World Without Superman. And if you guess that I got the title of my final, of the final song on my album, Singer Understand, from World Without a Superman, you are correct, because that's exactly where I pulled it from. And World Without a Superman collected the Funeral for a Friend um, saga that happened in the Superman books directly following the events of Doomsday. And I, I kind of, I ate it up. I, 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 the only Superman comics I had seen at that point, I had a JLA issue where they fought some elementals. And I think, um, if I recall correctly, wonder if Shag remembers this. It was Firestorm was stinky for some reason. Cause he was, um, I don't, I don't know. It had some elementals and stuff in it. Now I want to know. Uh, and they were all fighting with elementals like Firestorm, Superman, I don't think Batman was in there. Red Tornado, Aquaman, maybe a Lantern. I'm going to have to go through some green, some uh, Justice League of America issues to find it. Look through some covers maybe in a little bit. But I remember that. And then I'm going to say it was a reprint. Because I highly, 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 highly doubt that somehow I got my hands on issue number one of um whichever whichever John Byrne issue of Superman where he comes to Metropolis, saves the plane and all that, and they're who are you? Blah 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 and he's like, I'm Superman and he goes flying off with a big smile on his face, whatever issue that is. Um I wanna say it's either like six at the end of Man of Steel or maybe it's the End of Superman number one. But I know that I had that issue. I ripped off the covers and I assumed I ripped off the covers. I, I beat stuff up. I didn't know what I had. It had to be a reprint. Um, <laughs> But I had that Superman issue and I didn't have anything else. I had no other experience with them. And so I had no, I, I knew who Lois was. I knew who Jimmy was. I knew Clark. But then I really didn't know a whole lot. So I came in right on funeral of um funeral for a friend. So they're like after Masterman Doomsday, they're carting the bodies, trying to revive Superman, all that stuff. And then as Funeral for a Friend goes on, then uh the story just goes all different places. Superman's body's missing, Cadmus is trying to bring him back, and they can't, and then they do the statue and Bill and Hillary's there. And Justice League says goodbye. The real Justice League, not the Justice League, got their asses kicked. <laughs> Ironically enough, uh, gangbusters in there somewhere, and then it all culminates in Adventures of Superman 500, when Superman and Pa Kent supposedly come back from the dead, and Pa actually does come back on the hospital in his hospital and is alive, and he said, "I brought him back." Okay. With all that said. I don't know if it was 
dumb luck or, or how all this started, but I read that book and I don't know if I brought it home. I think I may have left it at mom's house because I don't specifically remember having the book at my house in Cape Bridge. So I don't really know what happened to it. But I will go ahead and say there's a chance I threw it away. <laughs> and I'm about to tell you why. Remember a long, 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 long time ago, I mentioned book orders on this podcast. Like, you remember school book orders, everybody? And I talked about book orders for a good, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. Well, in my book order, I ordered a book by Louise Simonson, one of the writers on the Death of Superman Doomsday Stories. Um, Roger Stern did the novel, the official novel of the Death and Return of Superman. Louise Simonson did the younger version called Doomsday and Beyond. And it had, it had some artwork in it, all black and white, but it's supposed to be geared toward younger readers. Um, so they can, they can too, can see the death and return of Superman. Because uh, they didn't, weren't able to get all the comics because everybody ran out and snatched up episode 75. And I read it, and I really liked it. I was like, oh, that's really cool, you know? And then immediately, Bad Dreams. And it wasn't doomsday dreams. It wasn't even Superman getting killed dreams. I would just have these weird vertigo dreams, and they would just keep me awake. I don't even know what the hell was happening to me. But I couldn't sleep, and I slept horribly, and I told my mom... And uh, my mom, Bonnie, and she's like, well, um, why, why do you have bad dreams whenever you're about Superman dying? Like, I don't know, maybe because Superman isn't supposed to die, blah, blah, blah. So eventually, I, I tried to read the book again. I kept it for a while. I tried to read the book again. Had the same thing happen. So I was like, all right, this, is, like, this isn't good for me. I'm not keeping this book. So I took my parents' money that they gave me for this book. Either I bought it at the book fair or through the book, um, book order mag, um, catalog, and I threw it in the trash. Bye-bye, Doomsday. <sighs> That's a title. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. I'm just going to put that right into the notepad. Bye-bye, Doomsday. Bye-bye, Doomsday. Yeah, it doesn't really work. Bye-bye, Doomsday. Episode 167? 66? Whatever this is. So, yeah. And then, and then, I spent more money on book order, and I, I got the Nightfall saga, and... I, kind of the same thing happened to me. So I was like, oh, these books are bad. I, I can't handle this. Threw that away too. The kicker. And I, I really wish I could find this book. But uh, my dad, Winchester, had just gotten to Costco, a price club man. And I went in there um, with my dad all the time. He actually bought me. He bought me lots of stuff there. I, maybe it was um, Price Club where he got me the original Star Wars trilogy at um, on VHS when they came back out. I thought it was Walmart, but it could have been uh, Price Club. But we were in the book section, and I see this beautiful black-bound coffee table book, The History of Comic Books. Like, the joint is thick. 
It's big and thick. And, you know, um, I was, I was like, dad, dad, give me this book, man. It's about the history of comic books. Cause this time I, I was definitely in the comic books. I'd spent a lot of 93 and, uh, collecting Spider-Man and, uh, branching out. So this is like 94, I think it was like 94, um, when he got me this book and it's beautiful, glossy pages, like literally showing uh, they had it broken up into decades and everything. And I'm reading about all these comic book publishers and everything. Just loving the hell out of this book. Get to the 90s. Boom. Doomsday. Death of Superman. Yeah. Boom. Nightmare. Probably through a 20-something dollar, maybe $30 hardcover coffee table book in the trash. I'm not proud, but I was scared. <laughs> I snuck that bitch to school because <laughs> it was so big. I was like, I can't put this in the regular trash. My dad would be like, what the hell are you doing? I bought you this book, and now you're throwing it away. He'd be like, I'm scared of a comic book character, Dad. Doomsday's coming. So I took it to school and I threw it in one of the big trash bags. Tra yeah, the trash cans that they had in the cafeteria. Didn't look back. Although, something peaks my mind that maybe I fished it out and gave it to someone when they found out I threw it away. Because uh, there wasn't anything else in it, on it yet. I don't know, don't quote me. But yeah, threw the whole book away because I was scared. So. Long story short, well, actually, that wasn't long story short because I just talked forever. I avoided the Death of Superman personally. Um, avoided the trades. Even once I got the Morgantown Guy comic book store, had access to um, Walden Books and then Barnes & Noble and Books A Million that had trades and saw Death of Superman all the time. I might even peeked in there a few times. But I never had the courage to actually read this book. And then I saw that, again, shout out to Michael Bailey. I saw that on From Crisis to Crisis, um, a Superman podcast um, by uh, Michael Bailey and Jeffrey Taylor. They're actually covering, they're still doing it. It's still a weekly podcast. They're covering everything from Man of Steel number one all the way up until uh, somewhere right, I think it's up to, is it Infinite Crisis they're going to? Yeah, up until Infinite Crisis. So they're going all the way to 2006. So going from 86 to 2006. Quite the gesture on these guys' parts. But I saw on Mike's Twitter, he posted... Hey, me and Jeffrey did a um, commentary for the Death and Return of Superman uh, movie that just came out because um, DC did an animated Superman Doomsday in like 07, which I did watch on YouTube. It was fine. And then they there was in 17, I believe they did the Death of Superman. In 18, they did Reign of the Superman. And then they put them together kind of like they did with the Dark Knight when they did Dark Knight Part 1, Dark Knight Part 2. Then they're like, here's Dark Knight 1 and 2. So they did that thing. And I listened to the commentary and listen, and I was like, I 
really watch this movie, you know, um, just to see how they update it because I did watch the 2007 version and listen to commentary. It's like, you know what? I've never listened to this damn or read this damn story ever. And I was like, I'm going to go ahead and dig up some of their coverage of the death of Superman. So just for those of you looking that aforementioned death and return uh, section of fortress of Bailey com. Uh, the from crisis the Kiefer from crisis I kited from crisis the crisis coverage runs from episode one seventeen all the way through episode one forty eight, and that's all everything. Um, I actually started with the roundtable discussion, which is episode one twenty three. I just listened to episode one twenty two. I'm working on episode one twenty one now. Because I can't pay attention to numbers, apparently, and when things should be done. But they have very comprehensive coverage, and they do a way better job of it than me. But I just wanted to tell you what I thought of this story, finally. I had read it on Wikipedia. I knew what happened. I knew he showed up, came out the ground. He escaped his his uh, prison, his underground prison, started wrecking havoc. Um, Justice League got to him first, got their asses kicked. Superman showed up. Superman got his ass kicked. Justice League and Superman got their ass kicked. Superman chased them all around the place. Superman still getting his ass kicked. And then ultimately he saw a commercial for a wrestling event in Metropolis. <laughs> you can't make this up. He goes to Metropolis because he knows that's where the action is. That's where the war is. That's where he wants to be. Superman follows him there. Superman keeps getting his ass kicked. And then ultimately Superman puts up his final stand in front of the Daily Bugle. Whoops daily planet and then they both hit each other so hard that he finally puts doomsday down he asks lois if doomsday is down lois says yes then he promptly dies eh. that's the story of death of superman now the actual comic book version the one i've read it started with the original issues and i'm looking for Let's see. I think Mike lists them. Because Mike is awesome like that. Cover gallery. Close enough. All right. So, the Death of Superman trade that I read, which came out, which I uh, I rented from my local library, Twenty is the 2016 version. And so, the first issue in the series is Man of Steel 18. And it kind of deals with um, Superman finishing up things with the Underworlders, whatever that arc was. Uh, Doomsday gets out, kills a bird, starts wrecking stuff up. The Justice League show up in Justice League of America 69, get their butts kicked. Uh, Superman shows up at the end, and then we go to Superman 74. So Justice League and Superman get the butts kicked, like I said. Uh, Superman 497 is more fighting. Um, and in Action Comics 684 is more Doomsday Superman fighting. Really the most pivotal issues of this whole thing. Superman and Man of Steel 19. And then also Superman 75. 119, I'm sorry, the Man of Steel 19 is when we first see Superman bleed. Start to really get walloped on see the effects that Doomsday is having on him. 
And then 75, of course, is his last stand in Metropolis. And then we see, again, him bloody, bruised, torn torn costume, barely hanging on his body, S-shield clinging for life, flag waving in, or cape waving in the wind. And it's, it's actually an amazing story. What makes me want to get close to someone and snuggle? Fear. Salutations, I'm Melisette, and on A Frightful Fret with Melisette, I read classic horror stories combining audiobooks and audio drama into a podcast. Come away with me into the darkness and let me make your ears tingle with a sensation of terror. A Frightful Fret with Melisette. Available everywhere podcasts are and find us at frightfulfret.net. Don't forget. Like I said, Michael and Jeffrey do this story way better justice as far as their coverage goes. But as far as my thoughts go, from reading it from an outsider's perspective, considering I'm not a Superman reader, and I was familiar with the story, but I never read the actual story, there was no better way for them to do what they did. Because, just a little backstory, I'm not going to get too heavy into it, because again, there's better sources, from crisis to crisis, from crisis to crisis, I'm going to keep saying that. There's way better sources. But, here's the thing. They wanted to marry Superman in either 75, you know, Superman 75 or Vince Superman 500. And ABC was developing Lois and Clark, and they're like, well, you know, actually, if you want to wait and not do that, that would be really cool. Because then, if you don't do that, then uh, that would actually be even cooler if you don't. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Because maybe we can have Lois and Clark get married in a few years on the show and then your comics can kind of coincide with that and it'll be a cool event where it's like, oh, it's on the TV and in the comic books at the same damn time, you know? Because that's how ABC, ABC execs talk. And, eh, you know, that's fine. That's fine if that's what you want to do, you know? So DC's writers went back to the drawing board Jerry Ordway, or Jerry Ordway, Dan Jurgens, Roger Stern, Louise Simonson went back to the drawing board. Where, like, All right, what are we going to do? And then either Ordway or Jurgens said, well, let's just kill him. And then they said, all right, Mike Carlin, uh, who was editor of the Superman books at the time or editor, uh, just high up editor DC, he's like, all right, go ahead and tell me how you're going to do it. And rather than it being... Lex Luthor, Brainiac, Bizarro, Mr. Mixoplick. I probably said that wrong. Uh, rather, it be, instead of it being one of Superman's normal rogues, Solomon Grundy, I don't even know if that's his rogue, I think that's Flashes. They decided, we're going 
to create this monster. And his sole purpose is to kill Superman. But we can't do it on the level of he's like, oh, I'm Superman's ultimate foe. I will destroy him. And he succeeds. That's not what we want. We want a mindless beast to literally plow through the man of steel. And that's where Doomsday came from. And the story, while only seven parts, the books move super quick. There's a lot going on, but they read very quickly as a whole. I couldn't imagine sitting there on the edge of my seat every month reading it. Especially if I knew the end was coming here soon. You know? I have that problem enough with uh, watching uh, TV shows week to week. Like, oh, what's going to happen? I can't binge it. Uh. <laughs> but they picked the best way to kill Superman, man. Superman, man. Superman, man, 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 man. Because Superman knew nothing about him. And Doomsday did not stop. He was non-stop. Hamilton reference. Boom. Doomsday was just a killing machine. He got off several times laughing on his destruction, killing things, watching things blow up, hurting Superman. Ha, 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 ha. Where, that's what the sound effect said. That's like the only thing he said besides... And... He didn't have anything against Superman, Metropolis. He just wanted to kill things. And Superman just decided to get on his way that that get in his way that day. And I kinda chalk it up to everything just going absolutely wrong for Superman. He showed up thinking he's gonna be able to fight this dude, and this dude literally just he was ready, man. He was ready to fight. And if you want to go find Doomsday's origin and find out what that what he actually is, go check out Superman Hunter Prey. Came out in 1994. I'm familiar with it. I've not read it, and I don't know if I really need to. Uh, but, yeah, you can check out his origin there. But there was no origin. He just showed up, green suit, freed one arm, fought the Justice League. Mind you, the Justice League were a bunch of B-leaguers, essentially. There's no Batman, Flash, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, Martian, Manhunter, and Aquaman. Not even Elongated Man or Plastic Man. None of them. No, you had Blue Beetle, Booster Gold, Ice, Maxima, Fire, Guy Gardner with a Yellow Ring, Mindhunter, I mean Bloodwind. You know, who are these people? <laughs> no offense to Guy Gardner or Booster or... Or um, Blue Beetle, man, but that's not my Justice League. And maybe if uh, the League was what it was supposed to have been at that time, if uh, Wonder Woman or Batman or Manhunter was himself or Flash or uh, Hal Jordan Green Lantern were in the League when all this happened and they showed up to fight Doomsday, maybe Superman doesn't get killed. Maybe he gets that little bit of help that he needs. Just saying, just a thought. That's kind of important. <laughs> um, Maybe if Maxima doesn't go all out when she gets back into the fight and it's like, oh, I love fighting. Fighting's awesome. Blah, blah, blah. And then even though the panels indicated that there was gas in the air and Superman smelling gas, maybe she wouldn't rip the light pole out and 
blew her Doomsday and Superman sky high. You know, that that's just bad luck. Maybe Doomsday, if Doomsday didn't see that commercial, he wouldn't have went towards Metropolis. And maybe Superman could have found a way to restrain him before he got to Metropolis and beat him without exerting himself the way he did. Um, You know, it was just bad luck. Maybe he finds out about the bony protrusions that he discovered at the end of uh, issue 75 that apparently hurt Doomsday so bad that it accelerated his dying process. It was it was just a bunch of bad breaks for Clark Kent that day, man, including ultimately the final blow that he delivered and the one he took that put him down for the count for several months. Well, dead. He was dead. Just in case you weren't sure. He was dead. But I, I honestly recommend Death of Superman. I think it's a very well-told comic book. Um, it can sound very corny if you're just listening to me rattle about it. But, you know, it it has a lot of great things going on. And we got a lot of recommendations this um this episode. It has a lot of uh, great things going on. You get, it's very emotional in, in 75 as Superman is essentially battling to save Lois from Doomsday because, heaven help me, Lois Lane was too close to Superman to Doomsday. Like, literally, like, Doomsday is here and Lois like two feet away saying, you can't kill him. You don't kill. And he's like, bitch, I gotta go. <laughs> I gots to go handle mine. He's gonna kill everybody. He's killed a bunch of people. And here you are saying, you can't kill him. You don't kill. Have you seen what I'm doing over here, Lois? But it's an excellent story. I'm going to read funeral, reread Funeral for a Friend and then read Reign of the Superman for the first time. And just kind of get the complete story and just kind of see for myself. But if if you're going to kill a Superman, that that's the way to do it. And I'm glad it wasn't a Luther or, or one of his other rogues, man. Because it like if there's and they let Doomsday die when he did. Because if Doomsday's still around, it's like oh I'm still alive. You're you dead. And then somebody has to ultimately say today, and then here's Superman hella dead. <laughs> I'm just saying, or Luther, oh, I finally beat Superman. Now I'm going to bed. It um, it made me want to go through my um. Amazing Spider-Man trade paperbacks here, and I pulled out J. Michael Krasinski's Straczynski's and John Romita Jr.'s Coming Home trade. Collected Amazing Spider-Man thirty and thirty-five, volume two. If you're not familiar. This was a storyline where Ezekiel Sims first showed up and had similar powers to Peter. And then Peter's like, oh, well, why do, how do you know who I am? And Ezekiel's like, oh, you know, I got my powers uh, similar. And your powers aren't just from some random spider bite. You're part of a spider totem and everything. And a lot of people hated it. I thought it was cool. But essentially, he's like, uh, there's this energy vampire, and he's coming to eat you because you are pure of spider spirit, and he wants to come eat you. And Moreland is the guy, and eventually he shows up and meets Peter, and then Peter proceeds to get his ass kicked for like two and a half issues, three issues by Moreland with like very little breaks, like face some of the best art that John Romita Jr. has in his catalog, and, and John Jr. got a lot of good stuff. But these this these issues are absolutely beautiful, man. 
and Peter just gets whooped. And I was trying to think if I remember superhero um costume suits getting ripped as much as they do after uh death of Superman because of course Superman's got totally torn off essentially. And I know it was the early nineties and stuff and image comics is like, here's a half naked girl in torn clothes. But I mean like in an actual battle, life or death, like I couldn't recall very many times that that a superhero really just got beat down on Superman level other than this uh trait, this one Spider Man's fighting Moreland. I don't remember the second super Moreland fight. I choose not to because that's the one where he turned into a giant spider. Peter did. <laughs> Even though I kinda wanna reread it just to kinda remember it was called the other. And that's when he got like those spikes in his arms and he had something else going on too that that came from that storyline that they got rid of. Uh did he have like could he fire his stingers or something? Is that what they were called? I don't know. But then also I remember like the issues with Venom. And very ironically enough, um, there is a issue of Amazing Spider-Man. It's 375 that came out in early 1993, I believe, um, where Spider-Man and Venom are facing off for the final time, air quotes. And... You know, Spider-Man just takes a whipping in that one. And his, his, well, he got his, he took a whipping in 374. In 375, he continues and his suit's barely hanging on and, and everything. I'm like, man, I was just thinking, it's like, that's, that's big Superman vibes there. And Superman was like barely in the ground when all this happened. Well, I don't even know if he's in the ground yet, but he was definitely dead by the time all this rolled out. And of course, they, they've been saying that, it's been said that Death of Superman is the reason for so many event comics now, and that's why DC and Marvel rely on all these gimmicks to try to sell books, and that's why we got your Civil Wars and your Nightfalls and your Clone Saga and your Age of Apocalypse and your Onslaughts, um, all because of Death of Superman starting a trend, but they weren't trying to start a the trend. They just wanted to tell a story about Superman dying and then bring him back like a few issues later but then the media caught on the stories blew up so they're like well let's run on this train a little bit longer see what happens let's see what happens and i'm glad they did man quite quite the interesting tale but yeah ne- never often copy but never duplicated so definitely check out the death of superman if you have not done so already and despite the fact that I am a um, Dawn of Justice or Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice apologist, even though I shouldn't be, and I know it, um, I gotta say I do not rock with the Doomsday depiction that's in that movie, so that does not count. Let's check the time here. Oh, we got a a healthy uh, hour and 13 minutes. So if I chop off that little boo-boo I had to begin it, we in business, man. So, Hyphen Nation is brought to you by Hyphen Podcast Group. Morgantown, West Virginia-based podcast collective bringing great podcasts to the people. HyphenPodcastGroup.com. That's right. And then also by Mark Rob, written by my semi-regular co-host, Marcus Show, Mad Love Robinson, can locate his writings at the markrob.wordpress.com. Again, that's the M A R C R O B dot wordpress.com. Absolutely. Positively, that's how we do it. 
All right, man. So first thing I want to say is give people their flowers while they're still here. You never know when it's your time to go. You can be 24 or 90 years old. So take a second and remember the good times and live for the moment for the rest of your life. Tell people what they mean to you. Please. Chadwick Boseman, rest in peace. Nobody knew, fam. Nobody. And I'll say right now that um, Handsome Bane of It's Like a Podcast or whatever, um, EG of Catch the Show, uh, Marcus on We Should Do This Again Sometime, they all did way better tributes to Chadwick Boseman um, on their respective podcasts when everything was happening. But I do want to send my condolences to the King of Wakanda and to Chadwick Boseman and his family and all his friends because no one knew that he was battling cancer and everybody was just hoping that this pandemic would let up some and we knew we were going to get Black Panther 2 in 2022 I think is what they moved it back to and we were all looking forward to seeing Chadwick Boseman take the screen again as Prince T'Challa and now we're never going to get that and his friends and family will never be able to talk to him again see him again um and while the world the twitter world clowned him for looking sickly he was in the battle of his life so rest in peace chadwick boseman i strongly encourage you tell people what they mean to you while you still can give people their flowers while they're still here please (sighs) with that said the power of positivity is real Get that negativity out of your life, no matter what it may be, no matter what you got to do. You got to do you. That's right. Um, So, you know, it's just always important to try to try to be positive, try to be try to move lightly, try to help out your fellow person. Uh, Be kind to people. What is it that I like to say? I like to say um, I like to say. Um, treat other people as you want to be treated. That's not quite right, but you never know what somebody else is going through and you never know what your kind words could do for someone because you never know that you could, you because your kind act could save um, someone's life. It could save her life. It could save his life. You just never know. I say that way more eloquently normal, normally, but you know it. We here, we rocking. This is what we doing. Words of wisdom for today. The grass is not greener on the other side. I know you might be eyeing that new job. You might be looking at this other girl, even though you got this one girl here. You might be looking at, or vice versa, you may have this one. Uh, you might have your uh, man, but then you, you got this dude in your DMs who'll be hollering at you, kicking that good stuff. You're like, man, I wonder what it'd be like to be with him. Um, you may have a fridge full of food and then see this, see the fast food commercial. Like, you know what? I want that fast food. And then you go get that fast food and you bring it home. You sit down and it's not what you wanted it to be. You had perfectly good food in the fridge. And now you wasted 10 bucks on some fast food you didn't really want. The grass is not always greener, ladies and gentlemen. Remember that. Remember it, remember it, remember it. It's important. Okay? If you want to get in contact with me, you can do so at b-at gmail.com, b-h-y-p-h-e-n 
at gmail.com. You can also do so at B hyphen on Twitter, hyphen universe on Facebook, the B hyphen on Instagram. And yeah, if you want to do it the other way around, you can go through hyphen podcast group. You can be hyphen podcast group at gmail.com. You can do hyphen podcast group on Facebook. You can do hyphen podcast group on Instagram, or you can even do hyphen pod group on Twitter. So all those ways you can reach out to the show. Because I definitely want to hear your feedback. If you're on Apple Podcast and you see Hyphenation, take the time to give us five stars. Leave a review. If you leave a review, I will read it no matter what it says. I don't care if you say this is the most boring podcast I've ever listened to in my life. I don't know what he's doing. He's really annoying. He thinks very highly of himself, and I don't know why. And I'm going to go ahead and show you that we're going to read stuff right now. Because I have a review from a few months back, actually. I actually got two. Uh, one's, well, they're both biased. I can't lie. <laughs> so, episode 155, which is my dinners with E. Eric Jordan said, really enjoyed this podcast. Five stars. Shout out to E, man. And then Matthew Spencer, my best friend, said, there's a strong mix of subjects and interesting commentary. So there's something here for everyone. Social commentary about race, movies and TV, sports, music, etc. While there are a million podcasts of people looking for an audience, Hyphen Nation captures the growth and perspective of one man and all his passions. It's like an episodic bio- biography in that you see a person evolve via their thoughts and their own hobbies and entertainment. Listen closely and long enough you start to see podcasts impact another podcast and Hyphen's drive to give others a voice or just have a fun conversation about just about anything. Shout out to Matt, man. See, I'll read it just like that. Um, Hyphenation is available on any of your favorite podcast listening device. Um, just type in Hyphenation. It should be on there. Um, same with any of the other great hyphen podcast group shows. But if you have any trouble finding anything, please let me know. Because I say that because um, then I can like do the thing and get our stuff on there. Plus... All the hyphen podcast group shows should be coming to um, Amazon Music and to Audible very soon because they're about to both be offering podcast services and I submitted our information. So um, for those of you who are into your Amazon Musics and your Audibles, you'll be able to listen to Hyphenation or any or whatever. It's like a podcast or whatever or the Shredhead podcast on those things and it's going to be awesome. So make sure that you do that. Call your mom, hug your father, dap up your brother, punch your sister, um, DM your grandmother, uh, send a message to your grandfather, send a letter to your cousin, telegraph, or send a telegram to your to your second aunt's niece, great uncle. Um, again, let people know what they mean to you, ma'am. It's important to have those connections, especially during these trying times. Please, please, please make sure you remember that. And uh, just just treat people, just just do good to people. I, I keep coming back to that because uh, with as crazy as the world been and as as low as some of these episodes have been in the 60s, um, I just, I really feel like that I still... I'm going to stress the common good that people should have dealing with other human beings. I don't care if you like Donald. I don't care if your blue lives matter. I don't care if your all lives matter. 
and you, or you like Biden, you like Bernie, you know what? End of the day, be a good person. If you can do that and wear a mask, that'd be great. That'd be absolutely great. Just saying. Just saying. Oh, man. This has been fun, man. Back at it. Episode is finished. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. Thank you to every single one of y'all that listened to the podcast. It means the world to me. The absolute world. Um, I cannot uh, say enough how much I appreciate it. Um, you are my army. You are my my squadron supreme. You are my Avengers. You are legion. You are my Justice League. And yes, I'm biting that right from Aisha Tyler because she stopped potting. So why did why can't I take what she said? I love the way she said it. Shout out to the hyphen nation. Literally. But I say all that to say this. Thanks, y'all. been listening to Hyphen Nation, the Barack Obama-approved world's greatest podcast, hosted by Kellen Conley and his semi-regular co-host, Marcus Showing Mad Love Robinson. Find Kellen at BeHyphen on Twitter, the BeHyphen on the gram, and Hyphen Universe on Zuckerberg's monster. Follow Marcus on Twitter and IG at Showing Mad Love. Leave off the E to track him down. Email the show at BeHyphen at gmail.com. As always, this has been a Hyphen Podcast Group production. I'm Melisette of The Frightful Fret, and believe me when I say the best has not come yet. This is a Hyphen Podcast production. Are you not entertained?